Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your hosts. I'm Bethany. And I'm Crystal. Um, yeah, so intro is gonna be a little let's just all think about this for a second. Last <laughs> night we went to Twilight Talkies, and if you don't know what Twilight Twilight Talkies is, apparently I can't say that. Um, it is at the Norton Art Gallery, uh in that's Shreveport, right? That's not Bozier. It is Shreveport. Okay, and Shreveport here locally for us. And it is basically, they have like a big open field outside of the art gallery. It's really awesome. And they set up a big projector and you can come by yourself. There's a lot of people there that was, there's a very sweet lady that was there sitting next to us by herself with your friends. I went with Crystal, obviously, and our friend Steph and her friend and then her brother and uh, girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and their sweet little baby. He was so cute. Um, it was a good time, and it's just like a good opportunity for the community to come out. And they play a movie once a month. Actually, I think some of the months they play twice. I think, I think every month until October was it's two twi- movies yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah. Um, but last night we saw the Sandlight. It's a class, or not the Sandlight. Oh God, Sand <laughs> Lot. I cannot talk. Um, we My saw the Sandlot. Was everyone quoting it like the entire? Oh yeah, everybody was. Like, yeah, saying that you're killing me, Smalls. Um, but it was really good. And not only that, you can support the local uh, food trucks because the food trucks come out and set up from like 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. The movie starts at 8 p.m. Uh, it's normally it's on a Friday. If they have it, yeah. it's always on a Friday. It was a great time. We had uh, drip donuts. Um, it was my first time trying it. Finally, every time that we go to this and I go with Crystal, they're always sold out by the time that I get there. Um, so I finally got to try uh, drip donuts. It was delicious. I got the cookie dough donut and then i oh, so good it was so tonight. it was it is sweet so like i had to like eat half and then towards the end of the mm-hmm. movie i ate the other half but it was so worth it and then i got zach the maple bacon mm-hmm. which he said it was really good but he said it was really really sweet he doesn't he's not a sweets person um but it had huge chunks of bacon on top of it yeah like thick cut thick cut bacon too and then the boys' favorite cereal is Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and they had a Cinnamon Toast Crunch donut. Oh, and when I tell favorite. you, they made me take a picture for Crystal. <laughs> they were, one, mad that I didn't bring them with me because, um, you know, Mommy Crystal and all. But they devoured those donuts. So shout out to Drip Donuts here in Shreveport and Bossier area. Overall, it was a really fun night, and I'm looking forward to going to – the next one isn't it like August fifth or something like that. No, there's one at the end of this month. Like oh, the that's 22nd. right. That's the twenties. Yeah, the Little I'm Mermaid. I don't know. I my favorite part. My favorite part is just like the six to eight while we're just all like sitting there chilling yeah. waiting. That's my favorite part. The movie's always fun, but my favorite is the sitting yeah. and waiting around. I'm not gonna lie. When we were sitting there, I was having like a like a very sentimental moment. I was like, with everything that's going on in the world right now, and just all the stuff, and us feeling burnout and overwhelmed and stimulated, and just like not feeling heard and seen and felt. We were just all sitting there, and it was just like our community. Like there were so many of us. There was men, women, children, like teenagers, and we were all just there hanging out. Nobody was yelling. Nobody was cussing. Nobody was angry. We were all just relaxing. The kids were playing. Everybody was eating. And then we all just sat there and watched the movie, and we were all quoting it out loud together. And it was – it was. It was those nice. are very good moments, yeah. 
um but that is it i just wanted to shout out shout out twilight talkies it's it's good i have to force myself to socialize and outdoor settings like that with a lot of people very overwhelming and overstimulate me but it was good and i'm glad i did it and we could support some local people here in town uh but yeah i'm gonna pass it over crystal's gonna be telling us about samuel little um she didn't tell me a lot and we literally have our cameras on right now even though unfortunately thanks to the base that are were booty holes today to us that wouldn't let us get a pass um we're recording separately but crystal said she had she had to see my face for my reaction so i'll pass it on over to her well now i feel like i have like hyped this up at the same time because (laughs) i feel like the reaction's not gonna be like as well it is extreme i don't think we've ever talked about somebody that had this many victims Yes, so it is a crap ton of victims, Uh, so just be prepared for that. Um, So we are really actually going to talk about the most prolific serial killer in the United States. So not the world, but the United States. And also- Like like still today? Is he still- Yes, still to this day. Oh, God. So also um, at my house and Bethany's house, they are doing fireworks. So if you yeah, hear a lot of like just ignore it. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I'm not going to be able to go into as much detail as I would like about all of these victims just due to like the episode. Um, but I forgot to put it in my notes, but there is a podcast that I found. I didn't listen to it, but while I was researching, I stumbled upon it. And there is a podcast that goes into a lot of detail about the individual victims and not necessarily just the killer, but the victim. So I'll try to find it and link it in the show notes for everyone. Um, but just yeah, I wouldn't mind listening shout out to that. that. Um, so first of all, I'm not here though. Like we say this a lot, but I'm not here to make you feel bad for this guy at all. And I specifically didn't do a whole lot about him because there are so many victims that I want to cover. Um, but Samuel Little was born June 7th in 1940 in a really small town in Georgia. Um, and right after he moved to, after well not right after he's born but when he was little he moved to ohio where he lived with his grandmother and his grandmother was actually the one who raised him for the majority of his life um he wasn't a really great kid he got in trouble a lot and he admitted that his sexual fantasies started to develop um obviously in his early teens he actually detailed that there was this magazine called like true crime magazine or something like that and it would have pictures of like crime scene photos and like investigative stuff from like detectives talking about um like how they process a scene and all this kind of stuff and he really loved that kind of stuff and um through looking at that stuff he kind of started getting this fascination with strangling people Mm. and that's just something that kind of like latched onto him so these ideas about strangling led to him wondering what to do about it. And he even said himself um, in a documentary about mostly the victims, but um, in a documentary called the 93 victims of Samuel little, I believe um, it's on Amazon prime. You can buy both episodes for like 
four dollars or something like that um he actually said that the first time that he actually thought about killing someone and actually wondered about how to do it was when he was like seven or eight years old oh man so like a child intense um as a teenager that's when he really started to go to jail um it was mostly for theft at first like really kind of small stuff but it just started to escalate and by 1950 so he would have been 20 or 10 yeah by the late not well the late 1950s i'm sorry but the late 1950s like mid to late 1950s um he had already been arrested for duis assault robbery rape and just like the list goes on all before he was like 20 years old uh after his mother died in 1973 that was really when he started to kind of have this life where he was always on the road he already once he had graduated high school had kind of been the type of person that was like already just was never home like never really had a permanent address but after his mother died that was when he really just kind of became like a nomad basically um, so by the time that he was 35 in 1975, he had already been arrested over 25 times and had either served very little or no time at all for these crimes. So I'm really, I will be honest with this one. I'm not going to give you a whole lot of info about how he was caught or any of that. Cause that's not really important. I really am wanting to like shed light on these victims at this point right now so in 2012 he was actually arrested on drug charges by the police in kentucky um once in police custody they you know did your normal processing and that is when they ended up taking his dna and when they ran his dna through the system surprise surprise they got some matches So, these matches that they got were to some women that he had murdered in Los Angeles several years back. Now, throughout the trial, they kept insisting that he was innocent, or he kept insisting that he was innocent, that he didn't kill these women, that it wasn't anything that he did, they were just framing him with all kinds of evidence. And he literally ended the trial, like, with a hand in the air saying, I'm innocent. I didn't do this. I, this wasn't me. Well, this would change. Um, He was sentenced to life in prison in 2014. And about four years later, this all started to change. So... After his arrest and his, um, and after he was sentenced in prison, um, his, I guess his profile of how he would kill people was uploaded to Vicap, which if you don't really know what Vicap is, um, it basically is like a huge database of like all of these, um, people who have killed people like open cases and like a whole bunch of like unsolved mysteries but i'm really explaining this super badly but like just like a whole bunch of like different crime stuff so that you can kind of like interconnect over state lines if that makes sense like the dark web but for 
true crime stuff. Basically. Well, but it but it's like government managed. So it's like so that cuz you know like great. there's communi- communication is not that great between like Texas and Louisiana or even between like different parishes or different counties. Like communication about crimes is not very great that way. So and so if you upload your crime that happened in Shreveport, Louisiana, and it's very similar to a crime that happened in Hot Springs, Arkansas, you can both see that and be like, oh, wait, this is exactly the same thing that happened. I think we made this may be the same person that's doing it. So basically a way to catch a serial killer before they really become a serial killer. Um, so basically that's what happened. So his stuff was uploaded. And then um, some people thought that this his crimes and how he did it was very similar to a murder of a woman named Denise Brothers. And they decided that what they were going to do was um, send a Texas Ranger, because she was killed in Odessa, Texas. They were going to send a Texas Ranger with a couple of experts who were um, basically experts in VICAP um, to talk to him and see if they could get him to confess. Well, this Texas Ranger's name was James Holland, I believe. And he was just like, to me, he was like none other. Like, he is one of those people that was meant to get people to crack. Like, meant. He found out that he liked peanut M&M's. And so he bought him, like, a huge Sam-sized case of peanut M&M's to get him, like, to sit there and talk with him. He kind of became a friend. He didn't, like, talk to him about the cases all the time. He didn't even start off talking about Denise Brothers. He just started talking to this guy about whatever he could talk about. He would use the same kind of language back to him. Um, And eventually, over time, he just got him to talk. And while he was talking, the women were on the other side, listening to everything, writing notes, recording everything, trying to see what was going on so they could get more information. And over the course of these talks, it turned out that he would actually confess to 93 murders. At one point, they ended up just like sitting there and naming every state. And, and like major cities in each state and asking him if he remembered or if he had killed someone there. And it had eventually progressed to them just giving him a piece of paper and him writing down like the city or the state and how many people he killed there. And when they tallied it up, it was 93. And that wasn't even a number that he knew. He had never even caught, count, like counted. He just knew them. And... Um, he started to talk very openly with the investigators about how he would kill these women, and he made sure to let everyone know that he was not a rapist. Now, it was pretty obvious that he killed, like, when he killed these women, he did rape them. So, you know, that was obvious, but that was not something that he ever even like remotely admitted to like he wasn't trying to admit yeah. to well it doesn't rape. make that doesn't make sense though he'll admit to the one of the biggest sins or biggest crimes that you can commit in the world which is murder 
But, oh, I'm not a rapist, though. Make oh, sure yeah. you get so that. Make sure you get they, that right. They said that he would get very, very upset if you called him a rapist, but he was more than happy to admit that he was a killer. That does not make any... That's so weird. It's stupid. Um, but he said what happened... Like, he claimed that all of the women that he killed, if they were still alive today, they would be his friend because he never mistreated them. He was always kind to them. They were having... He would say that they were having perfect conversations prior to this. And then just suddenly he would just kill them. Like, they, everything would be happy and hunky-dory and then he would just kill them. He would say that when he would kill them, he would always do it under the guise of, like, something sexual. So he would, um, like, he said that he would start, like, rubbing their arms and rubbing their chest. And then he would, like, um, pretend to, like, just, like, rub their neck and just, like, pretend to be looking at something on their neck. And in a video, he shows, like, he's talking, he's, like, using his hands to show, like, what he was doing. He would, like, just rub their neck and tell them, you know, that he just wanted to look at it and that he liked their neck. And then all of a sudden, he would just go for it and then just start strangling them and then just wouldn't stop until they died. Um, so the thing about this, though, is that... It was very obvious to not only just like to the investigators that he strangled these women as a form of like sexual pleasure. Like he got off on strangling these women and they even said that these investigators said that he even got off just talking about it. And that's why he remembered so much of it. Because he literally relived those moments in his head over and over and over again. And that when he was talking about these stories to investigators, several times they would see that he like physically got turned on, like got an erection. And that he would pleasure himself under the table when they were talking about it. First off, I, sir... <laughs> It's like that meme, sir. This is a Wendy's. A hundred percent, sir. This is a jail. Like, please, I need to be doing that. What? Um. That's so yes, oh, he man. fully got off on just like in. The I'd be so uncomfortable. I'd have to be like, I need to leave for five minutes. I I'll be back. I'll be like, back. I'll let you finish that, no, and then we can talk about it. Please, oh, read the room. <laughs> So, oh during all of this, he starts detailing the victims. I am going to try and go through as many victims as possible that I can get through. I am also um, going to preface this by saying a lot, not a lot, but a good bit of these women have been identified in some way or another. I couldn't find all of them because I couldn't find a just like very comprehensive list of every single person that was killed by him that has now been identified. I felt like I was piecing stuff together, but because I was piecing stuff together, there was a lot of like overlap and I wasn't sure like who they were talking about. So this list may not be a hundred percent accurate, but it's as much as I could give you. Um, and then there are three women who he was um, arrested for and that he was actually charged with and sent to prison 
for life for killing. Um, they're talked about a good bit, so I didn't talk about them as much just because I wanted to give um, a voice to some of the women who haven't have maybe had a voice as much. Um, and I don't know, I just kind of felt like more led to doing that. Um, I also had to stop at a certain point because I was getting very overwhelmed. So anyway, the first woman that he claims to kill um, was 33-year-old Mary Brosley in 1970. Um, one thing that was for sure about Samuel Little was that he was very good about picking people, um, or he thought he was very good about picking people who may not have, may not be missed. So a lot of people that he thought wouldn't be missed, they, they were human beings and they had, you know, parents, siblings, children, someone loved them, um, but for the most part, he was good about picking people who it didn't seem necessarily weird that they'd be gone for a long period of time. And so they weren't super worried about that. Um, but Mary was actually struggling with an addiction to alcohol at the time of her death, which, you know, made her more of a risk than other women may have been. Um, he actually met her in a bar in Miami, and Mary had already not been on speaking terms with her family for about six months, and in fact, they had already reported her missing earlier that year. So by the time that she had met up with Samuel Little, she was already, like, declared a missing person. Um, the day she went missing, though, um... Like, the day that she went missing from her family, that was the last time that her son, he was really young, his name was Daryl, um, that was the last time that he ever spoke to her, he talked to her, he, he just, she just vanished off the face of the planet. And despite the fact that she had this addiction to alcohol, Mary really was a person who had a family that cared about her. I mean, at least enough to report her missing. Um, she also suffered from anorexia and had been in and out of hospitals due to a problem that she had with her liver and she had a bad hip and had to have like, um, a hip replacement, which is, or something like that, um, which is how they were eventually able to identify her. Um, her cause of death was technically never found. She did have an alcohol level that would have been enough alcohol in her system to kill her. Um, but she was found in a shallow grave, and she was nude from the waist down and had underwear on, but it was like both legs were pulled into one, like, one leg hole. So, like, it was weird. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Um, so, Little was able to give police, like, so many details about her murder, including, like, the fact that she walked with a limp. Um, and he even stated that the reason that the grave that she was in was so shallow was because the ground was so hard and that he just like, if he killed in Florida, he told himself that he wasn't going to kill in Florida again, but he does. Um, but he doesn't bury anybody. And that was why, because it, the ground was just so hard. He was like, I don't, he's like, I'm not worried about this now. The, her family, though, was not informed until 2017, 
um, because that's when her remains were finally identified. So 2017, her remains were identified um, middle to late 2018 is when they started getting this information from him. So shortly a year after they discovered that, yes, this was her body, that's when they were able to find out who her killer was. Um, in he, he killed her when? He killed her in 1970. So it took from 1970 to 2017 for them to... Yep. Yep. To identify her body. Like, that's so Mm -hmm. crazy to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was found, I believe she was found like a couple of months after she would have been killed. And it just took that long. Crazy. In 1971, he claimed to have killed a woman, but he could only remember her name as Linda. He states that she was a black female around 22 years old and that he killed her in Miami, Florida. Um, This woman he was able to draw a sketch of. So with a good portion of his victims, he was able to draw sketches of them from his memory Um, And he would always include very specific details about the way they wore their hair or the way their mouth was shaped or if they were wearing a particular outfit or if they had a necklace on or something like that that he specifically remembered. He would include that in the picture, which helped for a lot of people. And for some of his victims, he was able to draw a picture. And for others, he just couldn't. They just weren't memorable enough for him as sick as that is but they just weren't memorable enough for him this next victim was marianne who he killed in late 1971 to early 1972 and the reason for this is that as great i guess you could say that he wasn't remembering the fact that he did kill someone there he was really bad at dates really really bad at dates and oftentimes he could be during his interviews he could be off by dates as many as 10 years so when they were searching to try to connect some of these confessions to cases to get them closed they would have to have people check over 30 years of missing persons and Jane Doe's because his dates could be off that bad he was just apparently very sucky at remembering dates But Marianne was a black transgender female who was about 18 years old. Um, She would have been about 5'6 to 5'7. And he met her in a bar that was either called The Pool or it was called The Pool Palace. And it was based out of Miami. He states that he killed her near a sugarcane field. And that he then drove her out to the Everglades and dumped her out there. Um, and that her body, as far as he knows, was never found. Um, he That's did sweet. draw a picture of her as well. Um, but couldn't remember anything else about her. Her body was probably taken by an animal. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Next was an unnamed black woman but he could not recall enough to remember her name, um, and he could not draw her picture, could not remember anything about her other than that she was somehow connected to the Air Force. He didn't know if she was in the Air Force, worked some 
like on a base or something. Um, but just knew that she was in Miami and that she was somehow connected to the Air Force. And that's all he knew. That is um, so sad to like not even be rem- rememberable enough for him to remember your name. I know. She's just an unnamed woman. That's I feel it. so bad for her. And there's a lot of those, I hate to tell you. Um, in 1971, there was another unnamed woman, this time in Maryland. He was able to draw a sketch, and they were able to match it to a Jane Doe case. So they do believe they have the body of this person. She was a white woman in her early 20s, um, but they've never been able to find out her name or who she was. So they believe they found her body. They believe and have accept the fact that he is the one who killed her, but they don't really know other than that. Was he like a truck driver or something? Or um, No, he just basically drove around and stole things and then sold about those to... stolen things and called it a day. I was about to say, how is he, like, doing all this moving and affording everything and gas and food? Selling things and then just as soon as he would get enough money, he would (laughs) just pick up and go, like... He probably robbed them, too. Like, stole from their purses and stuff, I'm they sure. They probably stole, like, stole from every single person that he could. Like, there's no way. Um, and I just, yeah. I, he probably stole from his mom and his grandmother. Oh, man. That's you, true. I That's mean, true. He, he's that type of person that he 100% probably did. Like, I don't. Which is so sad. His grandmother didn't have to raise him. Oh, she no. She, she didn't. Did. Now, he did claim that his mother was a prostitute. So, I don't know if that... He had resentment towards that? Yeah, if he had resentment towards that. And that's why he, like, tried so hard to, like... Pick women out that pick did that. these women that were like yeah. that. Like I don't know if he did that, but I mean, if he did, that's kind of crappy. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes. Maybe that's all his mom could do at the time. What? Oh, to be a be a prostitution? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, you just gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, obviously, he went and lived with his grandmother, so obviously, she was trying to f- afford something at least. Yeah, she was trying to do something. <laughs> um, so next we have a 1973. He admitted to another unnamed white female, this time back in Florida. He believed that her name was Sarah, but he wasn't sure. And he pre- was pretty sure that she was from Massachusetts. Um, he also said that he thinks she was around 45 years old. Oh, so she's and older than the other one. She, yes, um, but that's it. Like, that's all you know about her. Ain't nothing else special. <laughs> like he could remember nothing about these women that he took his. They took their life from, which 
it's gross, but um, in 1973, he traveled over to New Orleans and he murdered a woman who he said her name was Sarah Brown and that he met her in a restaurant in on Canal. He says he couldn't remember anything else about her, didn't draw her, but just knew that her name was Sarah, Sarah Brown. He killed her, and that's all he got. That's all he got. In 1973, um, or 1974, excuse me, he killed a, another unnamed black female. Um, she was in her early 20s. Um, this was in Savannah, Georgia this time. So he he spent a lot of time in the Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida area. Um, he was able to draw a picture of her, um, but couldn't remember her name, any like details or anything that she would have given to him. He just remembered killing her. And that's all he got. So, and I will probably, um, when this episode goes out, I will post a picture of, like, the unsolved people that they haven't been able to connect yet, um, just in case someone out there sees somebody they recognize. Yeah. Um, later that year in, in Cincinnati, Ohio, he killed another unnamed black female. Um, he didn't remember how old she was, um, but he just knows that he dumped her body in Columbus, Ohio, and he was able to draw a picture of her. Hmm. Sometime in 1970, he killed a young black female named Emily, who was from Miami. She was in her early to mid-20s, and he believed that she may have worked for the University of Miami. But... Again, no Man, other he, info. He likes the Miami area. He loved the Miami area. Man. Um, in 1975, he was in Knoxville, where he claimed that he murdered a 25-year-old black female, but he couldn't remember her name. It is now believed that her name was Martha Cunningham. Um, she was found nude from the waist down. And was completely covered in bruises all over her body. Um, despite all of these bruises on her body, police ruled her death to be of natural causes. And it just kind of went under the radar. So that is another like thing that investigators fear. Is that a lot of these deaths, because they were women who... You know, may have been in the wrong part of town or just may not have been quote unquote missed or like part of like a bad group or whatever. Um, not that I don't think they were bad people, um, but I think the fear is that all that investigators assume that these women were bad people and just brushed away their deaths and didn't really like investigate. And so a lot of these missing unnamed women's bodies have been found, but they were just assumed to be like druggies or drug overdoses or something. Did you, not to interrupt you, but did you see the TikTok of the girl and, and it was like an interview and she was homeless and she was doing prostitution and they were asking her like, you know, what were you before this lifestyle? And she was like, I was homecoming queen. I no, was. She was like, I was homecoming queen. Uh, I was the valedictorian of my senior class. Uh, 
and she's just lit and she's like I was very popular I had a lot of friends she was like I had my parents bought me whatever I wanted and it was like they were interviewing her and she in an alleyway where she lived and she was like all I do is I go and I wait and I have my clients and then I come back to my tent and go to bed oh wow that's I I was like how crazy is that she had like everything she could imagine in school growing up and a lifestyle I was like so like when people say these stuff about prostitutes or people that have drug abuse it's like it can literally happen to anybody yeah, yeah. literally have your valedictorian of your graduating class could now be living on the streets homeless now. So that's horrible. The, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it was like the prom queen that you looked up to that you thought were so beautiful and had everything mm-hmm. else and you thought she would be so successful in life is now homeless. That's and I was horrible. Like, when I watched that, I was like, that really puts in perspective. It can happen to anybody. Anybody. And yeah. here, you, here you are judging them when you yeah. probably used to idolize them in high school. Yeah. It literally takes one event for some people to completely change their entire lives. and That's what it was. She said when she got into college, she started doing recreational drugs. And then it just became more and more and more. And then she had no money and got kicked out of school. And that's how she became homeless. And then she couldn't, you know do drugs and hold down a good job so then she just started doing prostitution that's horrible i was like man just like maybe you should stop judging because it can happen to you tomorrow i mean yeah i mean you lose your job Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean she lost where she was living because she was living on campus yeah. So, and I'm a, I don't know her backstory, but I'm assuming she didn't feel comfortable enough to go home. So yeah. that's sad, man. Yeah. Um, well, not to be even worse, but we're gonna keep going and get into even more. Um, around nineteen seventy six to the nineteen seventy seven era or time frame rather, he killed another unnamed black female in Wichita Falls, Texas. He wasn't sure, though, how old she was, and he couldn't remember, like, what he did with her body. He could not remember any of these details, but he was able to draw her face. At least he was able to do that, right? Like, the very minimum. I mean, the very minimum is, like, I don't know, don't kill her, but, you know. The bar is still low. (laughs) I mean, um, sometime between... This is a bigger range, but sometime between 1976 and 1979, he killed a woman that he called Joe in Granite City, Illinois. She was a black female who may have been hitchhiking around St. Louis. Um, He was able to draw her picture. Um, There was another unnamed black woman that he picked up in East St. Louis, Illinois, that was also hitchhiking from St. Louis. He did kill her, but he does not know her name, did not draw a picture. Just remember that he, I don't know, just killed another person. Um, Again, same 1976 to 1979, there was another unnamed black female, this time in Houston, who was killed. Um, he really couldn't remember with her. He said that he either killed her in 1976 to 79 or 
big jumping range of time. He killed her in 1993. Um, he couldn't remember, but that's how they basically were able to assume, like, those are the times that he was in Houston. So it had to be, like, one of those times. Um, her age was completely unknown. No one knows how old she was. In 1977, in Macon, Georgia, he killed an unnamed black woman who would have been in her, that he claimed would have been in her 30s or 40s. This case um, was connected to a Jane Doe case. Um, it's the Bibb County Jane Doe. Um, her remains are actually discovered kind of off, like, in the woods, basically. And, um, People kept saying they smelled like a weird smell, and that's eventually when they started to find her body parts that had been scattered by animals, and they never determined her um, cause of death because of this. Oh my um, and they never found out her name, never really knew anything about her, um, but when... Samuel Little confessed to all this. He started to say things that had not been made to the public, basically. And um, they kind of knew. But they, it, there was, I did find where they were saying that he was a little upset, though, because they showed him a reconstruction done of her face. And he was a little upset because he said that that's not what she looked like. So, take that for whatever you want to take it as. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, in 1977, in Pascagoula, I cannot say that, Pascagoula, Mississippi, he claimed that he killed another black woman who was in her 30s that he had met actually in Gulfport that worked at a shipyard there. Um, this one, this one I'm a little... Not a hundred percent on. I think this is one that I was able to say that was not solved, but I guess it was closed more than anything. Um, I think this one was linked to an existing Jane Doe case. Well, it was. It was. It, it was linked to an existing Jane Doe case using the details that he had given and the picture of her that he drew. And then in 2021 her remains were finally matched to her name using um like the genetic genealogy so like you know yeah genealogy and they found out her name was clara birdlong okay so, that one's wrapped up in 1977 to 78 he claimed that he killed another unnamed black female in cleveland ohio um, and that she was in her early 30s, 20s or 30s. Um, her body was actually found off the interstate in 1983. And she is still considered a Jane Doe. Aww. In set, around 77 to 78, he met an unnamed black female in Clearwater, Florida. He killed her in Plant City, Florida and was able to draw a picture of her. Um, from 77, or in 77 or 1982, he killed another unnamed black female in Charleston, South Carolina, and said that she would have been around 28, I think he said, 
or he thinks that she said he she was and drew a picture of her as well um in 1977, he also admitted to killing another woman in Macon, Georgia. Now, this was my thing with the Macon, Georgia ones. There were two murders in Macon, Georgia, um, but I'm not sure which one was connected to that Jane Doe um, case that I was speaking of, the Bibb County Jane Doe. I don't know which one of these it was. So, there was two there i just don't know which one is which was which one's yeah. which yeah um and i looked for it but it, there was so much about this i felt like i needed a spreadsheet and i just i was very overwhelmed um in 1979 he killed 23 year old brenda alexander in phoenix city alabama in 1980 or to 81 he killed a woman who was in her late 20s and it was eventually connected to an existing Jane Doe case that they had. Um, in 2020, it was she was identified as Patricia Parker, um, and they were able to do that using a DNA match. He claimed that he had met her in Chattanooga, and that she rode around with him, like participating in like this that stealing scheme that he basically had going on, where like they would steal stuff and then sell it. Um, and that he met her in a bar and that while he was driving her to Georgia, he just decided to pull off on a road, kill her, and then he rolled her body down a hill. Oh, just, okay. Just, you know, just casual, right? Casual it's day. So scary how people can just like flip on a coin like that. Right. A whole day. It's like Dr. <laughs> Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. <laughs> right. Um, in 1980 to 84, he admitted to killing an unnamed black female in Gulfport, Mississippi, and he said that she would have been in her early 20s. In 1981, he killed another unnamed black female, this time in Atlanta, and said that she was in her late 30s, and he was able to draw a picture of her. In October of 1981, he killed Annie Lee Stewart, who was 33 years old. She had just, she was last seen visiting her sister in the hospital, and someone had saw her get out of a cab. Um, somehow, in the next few days, she got intertwined with him, and he admitted that he killed her a few days after being with her. So, it was like two or three days that they were together. Um, so not soon after she was last seen, which did she meet up with him and then just never came home. Um, in 1982, he admitted to killing 18 year old Fredonia Smith in Macon, Georgia. Now in this one, I'm going to preface, um, there is a victim known as the Orleans Parish Jane Doe. Um, she was found off um, in or I ten, and um, basically he confessed to killing her. Said that he met her in a bar, um, and that he t he said that he bought her a gold necklace. This gold necklace was found with this Jane Doe. Um, said that, um, she was blonde hair, blue eyes, she had dentures, um, 
gave like very specific stuff. So there were two victims in New Orleans in 1982. Um, the first one, he was able to provide like details for, and it does say that I found online that it matched a Jane Doe who was in her 30s to 40s. So I'm assuming this was this first one. Um, which is the Orleans Parish Jane Doe. I'm assuming that that is who she is. Um, towards the end of 1982, there was another woman in New Orleans who was also in her 30s to 40s. He remembered that she was tall um, and that she had honey-colored skin and brown hair. So I'm pretty sure that this Orleans Parish Doe is the first woman and not the second. Um, he says the second woman, he remembered the dress she was wearing, that it had buttons all down the front, and he also was able to draw a picture of her. He mentioned that she was out with her friends, and one of the people she was out with was her sister. She told him that she had lived with her mother, who was sickly in some way or short, some sort, like she just couldn't care for herself. Um, and after being with her for a couple of days, he took her out, um, to a road that was along the canal, and that is where he killed her and dumped her body. So, and the reason I'm telling y'all some of, like, these things is, like, if someone, just someone out there happened to be listening and being like, um, I know somebody who went missing, or so I know so-and-so mentioned so-and-so went missing, and, like, this is them, you yeah. never know. Yeah. Um, in 1982, he killed 22-year-old Mindy LaPree um, back in Pascagoula, Mississippi. She had moved to the area from Florida and was suffering from an addiction to narcotics. Um, he claimed that the two of them traveled a little bit and were, you know, participating in this stealing and then selling of stolen goods. When her body was found, Little actually was arrested for her murder. But they had to let him go because of lack of evidence. Dude, that's so... How many cases do we talk about that that happens? <laughs> During the investigation, police found... Actually found two women who were willing to testify against him for being violent. Um, but despite this, the DA dismissed charges because the women were unreliable as they were prostitutes. Also, I mean, regardless of that, couldn't they just, like, look up his arrest record? You would think that they'd I be mean, looking at his arrest record and then they would tell you everything that you needed to know. DUIs, like, you would think it would uh, tell you everything you needed to know, but it didn't. <laughs> um, During this process, though, when they arrested him for all this, that's when they found out that Florida wanted him in connection to the murder of 26-year-old Patricia Mount, who was murdered and found a few months prior. She was seen leaving with Little, and his hair was found on her body. During this trial, he was found not guilty and released. So a second time, a second yes. time this man is let go for murder. This is the luckiest yes. dude in the history of ever. Yes. yes. Um, so he's just basically just getting away with it at this point. Now, 1983 to 1984, he killed an unnamed white female in Atlanta. 
He believes that she was probably around 26, and she'd made mention that either her family lived there or that she was from Griffin, Georgia, um, and he was able to draw a picture of her. Imagine how either ballsy or just how stupid you are to be arrested twice for murder and then still go on and kill more people. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Um... 1984, he, in Columbus, Ohio, he killed another female. Again, could not remember her age, but he knows that he disposed of her body in in, in Kentucky. Don't know where, but in Kentucky. He took her from Ohio to Kentucky? Mm-hmm. What the like she Like, she drove around drove with, with him, him. Oh. and then, like, did the stealing stuff, and then he just killed her. Amazing. <sighs> July... 1984, he murdered Mary Jo Payton, who was just 21. Wait, you got they married? Mur- no, no, murdered. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> um, she was just 21. They met in a bar, and after leaving, he drove her to a secluded place and strangled her. And dumped her body in a stairwell. And, like, literally, like, threw her down a stairwell. And then... She was just discovered a couple of days later. I, like, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. If I have to kill a bug, I feel bad. Like, literally, I feel bad. I'm like, oh, poor little guy. And, oh this, man, and this man's is just over here, like, killing women for, like, Maybe breathing the wrong way or looking at him the wrong way or just existing. And he's like, mm, I'm going to throw you down a stairwell. Because <laughs> he didn't <laughs> care. He really <laughs> and truly didn't care. I am convinced that he did not care about women. Like, women were he just nothing to him. Like a, like a, like a, a legitimate psychopath. Like, he has no emotions. Like, no remorse. No... He does. His brain does not have those cues like we do. Like this I, is bad. I shouldn't do this. I feel bad. What have I done? Like he, his brain is not wired that way. I honestly think that he just viewed women as just okay. uh, yeah, just like something that they could that he could like use. A, I hate to say this, but like a play toy. Yeah, I I'm, mean, gonna, I'm gonna that's take a really her out. Crappy way of saying it, but yeah. I'm gonna take her out to dinner. I'm gonna let her hitchhike with me. I'm gonna let her go on the road with me, and then when I'm done, I'm gonna get what I want and throw her away, and then I'll go find me another play toy. Mm-hmm. That's the vibes of it, which is really crappy way, but I think he, he's just why he's just wired completely. And then the luckiest man, like I'm surprised he didn't hit the lottery as many times as he was arrested and let go. I mean, like, think, like, after, like, the fourth time of, like, killing someone after already being on trial and not in founding guilty. I'd be like, whoa, I gotta stop. I gotta, either I gotta gotta stop or I gotta play the lottery because apparently I'm the luckiest person on the planet. I mean, like, like, I I personally know people that have been pulled over and had a little bit of marijuana on them and they did, like, five years of prison. Right? And this man, then this man. This man's literally killing people and getting and got away, away. With them. and they had his literally got away they had his it. dna on the one woman and they just let and but they're like you got marijuana on you get, oh, get in the oh, slammer oh, get in the slammer 
Yeah. That's freaking crazy. Whether you are, like, for drugs or not. Like, you you have to, if you're listening to this, you have to see how messed up that is. You can literally kill somebody. <laughs> you can literally kill somebody and get let go because there's not enough evidence. But if you got a little bit of stanky stanky on you, you're going to jail immediately. <laughs> that blows my mind. Because I, per- I personally know people that have done time because they just have a little smidge on them. And I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> they should have just been like, hey, I killed somebody. And they would have been like, all right, all right, brother. Go on, get on back out there. <laughs> Go keep on. I don't mean a joke, but like, do you see how stupid that is? How dumb that is? And it happens so often. Um, in 1984, there was another unnamed black female in Atlanta who was in her 20s and was a college student. Um, he was able to draw a sketch of her, um, and that's all he could really say about her. Um, in 1984, there was another unnamed white female in Kentucky. He couldn't remember her age, but he thinks he picked her up outside of Ohio or somewhere in Ohio. He met her at a strip club, and he remembers her being very tall and skinny. She had short blonde hair and blue eyes, and he described her as a hippie. Um, She wanted a ride to Florida, where her mom supposedly lived, and he agreed to take her. Um, while they were driving that direction, he stopped and drove off uh, onto a small dirt road where he strangled her, killed her, and left her body sitting on top of a hill. Oh. Okay. Not kidding. At all. Just, just casually Like, literally out killed her. Like, he literally did not care yeah. about being caught. Because he knew he could get away. Exactly. It's like, it's a... I could do this forever. It just... That's... And so bad. That's so, that is, that's so frustrating. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, in 1984, there was another unnamed black female in San Bernardino. And she was in her late teens, early 20s. Um, 1984 was another black female in Fort Myers, Florida, but he could not age her. Um, 1984 again, another black female in Tampa. Um, he doesn't know her age, but was able to draw her. Again, 1984, a woman in Savannah, Georgia. He, um, her body was found in 1985 in some construction debris. Police were able to connect her to the missing persons case, giving and giving her a name. Her name um, was Frances Campbell, and he actually, after all of these um, confessions, he was indicted for her murder in 2019. So, it's something kind of good. Yeah. So, I like that part. I mean, at least that was said. something, yeah. Gives a little peace for the family. I mean, it's not going to help them, but... It's something. Something. In San Diego, um, so we're going to Florida now, or not Florida, California now. In San Diego, Lori Barros was one of the few known to have barely escaped with her life in 1984. So she survived this. 
She was kidnapped by Little, who beat, raped, and strangled her. In quit thinking, she pretended to be dead, and after he dumped her body, she filed a report with the police. She was able to give a detailed description of the car, and, like, that was it. Like, she said, this is what happened, everything, and then nothing happened. Nobody did anything. Like, just nothing happened. You, I wanted to say a potty word. <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> I wanted to say a potty word. What? Nothing happened. This woman, this, this woman said, look, I was kidnapped. This man strangled me. I played dead and he dumped my body. And they were, they were just like, mm, that sucks. Sucks to suck. Wow. That's basically what they said. And, you know, serve and protect. Serve and protect. Yeah. Um, not long after this, though, he was actually caught in the act of killing someone. Um, two police officers, um, drove up onto the same place that Barros was assaulted and found him in the back of a car with a woman named Tanya Jackson. Um, they came up on him, he got out of the car, like, they showed their spotlights, they got out of the car, and he was, like, zipping up his pants and all kinds of stuff, saying that him and his wife got into an argument. Now they're having sex. So they look in there, and this woman, he, the cop says that her, her hips were, like, up on the seat, and she was completely naked. Her hips were up on the seat, and her legs were just, like, spread open. She was, like, beaten so bad that she was unconscious and little had bloody scratches going down like vertically down his neck like she had been like scratching at him trying to like survive um he was arrested and he was convicted but he spent four years in jail (laughs) i'm not even kidding i wish i was kidding you what? what? And you want to know what's funny? They're probably like, because they're all like have substance abuse issues and prostitution and stuff like that. But how you know good and well, some of these police officers probably pick up a women mm-hmm. every now and every now and again. Uh huh. For some good uh-huh. loving. In nineteen, so this is where it's a little kind of times are weird he doesn't remember the exact dates um and a lot of these he remembers in 87 but he did spend four years in jail so i don't think it was exactly four years i think it might have been a little under but um after he got out he made his way to los angeles and he killed several women there five of them were unnamed black females of various ages Five this of them. Mans could have got out and then just like not killed anybody anymore. No, fl- he just immediately fl- killed people. And flown under the radar and lived out his life because obviously, just because obviously he can just get away with stuff. No, or, 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 everybody. or only do a couple of years. No. Um he drew one of them. Um he was able to draw one of them, um, but there was another one that was nicknamed Granny, and she was in her 50s. Oh, hold up now. I know. I, I felt offense to it. 
What? I don't. What? How is she a granny? That's I a- don't know. Um, in July 13th of 87, he killed Carol Elford, and she was the first woman who was actually killed in the Los Angeles area. She was 41 years old when she was found naked in an alley. Um, police could tell from the crime scene that she had been, like, killed somewhere else and then just, like, brought there. Um, it was just, like, there was, like, these weird, like, drag marks, basically, in the dirt that made it look like it was obvious that she hadn't been killed there and someone just, like, drug her out of a car, basically, and then just put her there. She had died um, from strangulation, and she was badly beaten, and just was just, it was just bad. You could tell someone, like, really took advantage of her. In September the 3rd of 1987, that is when he killed um, Guadalupe Apodaca. I know I'm butchering her name, and I really, really apologize for that one um but she was one of the first cases that he had actually left um dna on he had left ejaculate on her shirt and there were skin cells um or they just they he had left it on there and there were skin cells in one of his other victims but he had left that on her skirt or on her shirt so that was how they were able to like collect some dna they didn't have anyone to match it to yet but how how he was in the system he had to be in the system not yet they didn't have dna in 1987 Oh, well, I mean, he's been arrested, so... Yeah, but they had fingerprints, but he didn't leave any fingerprints. That's booty. They didn't have DNA back then. (laughs) That's booty. They gotta wait. Um, in in 1987, on August 4th, Audrey Nelson was killed, and she was put into a dumpster. She had fought like so many other women, but she was able to scratch her, scratch him and get the DNA cells under her fingernails. So they, that is what they took. They couldn't do anything with them, obviously, because they didn't know what, um, sort of DNA they could get from it. They like, that wasn't the science that they knew at the time, but these were the big cases that he would eventually get like hit on. So he didn't really confess a lot during this time to um, to a lot of like what he did. But it was really sad for Guadalupe because a nine-year-old little boy was the one who found her. He was kicking a soccer ball. And he, like, went up to this building and saw her legs. And she was, like, her clothing was all torn up. And um, you could tell that she was a little bit older. She was 46 um, Mm -hmm. because, like, her hair, like, you could see where her roots were coming in. Um, It was just really, really sad. Um, I love that. I love her name, Guadalupe. I know. I like that name. And then, like, Audrey Nelson was just, like, this really cute, blonde-haired girl. She um, 
they found her in the fetal position. She had um, on her knuckles, like on her knuckles, she had true love across her knuckles. Oh, I love that. I thought it was really cute. Um, So, I don't know. It was just really, those were like really, really sad. But those are eventually the ones he gets called on. So I'm a sucker for knuckle tattoos. I don't know why. I freaking love knuckle tattoos. See, I I don't know. I like them on really hot guys and really hot girls, but I could never put them on myself. I would, but I've like battled over what I would get. Because there's only so, so much permanent, <laughs> and there's only so much you can like write on your knuckles. Like it has right? to write, it has to line up perfectly, and you know has to be four letters or four symbols or. And like, um, I really don't want anything that's like eight letters, and you got to put it all together. together. That's kind of weird. You know, thug life, and you're like. <laughs> <laughs> no. I also don't think either one of us would ever put thug life on our. Um, I don't know. Mess around, I might. (laughs) (laughs) I am from the 850, so. Okay. Well, sometime between 1987 and 1990, he came back to Louisiana and killed an unnamed black female in Monroe, Louisiana. Dang. And she was about 24 years old, and he was able to draw a picture of her. That's right down the road from us. Yeah. Okay, so the next one's a little weird. Um, it is either Zena Jones or Priscilla Baxter Jones that he killed. Um, little said that he picked her up outside of Memphis and dumped her body in the Mississippi River in West Memphis, Arkansas. He provided a sketch, and it was matched to a Jane Doe case, and the family of Zena said it looked like her. However, another man came out and said it looked like his mother, but that she was killed in 1997 versus in the 80s. So it was really weird. I didn't get to go into much detail huh. with it, but it was very strange. What if she had, like, um, a doppelganger out there? You know how right? they say we all have a doppelganger? Yeah. I thought about that, too. In 1988 or 1996, because you know he's bad with his dates, he killed an unnamed Hispanic woman in Phoenix. He said that she may have been in her 40s and native to the area, and he was able to provide a sketch for her. In 1991, he killed Rose Evans, who was 32. Um, He killed her in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, Rose was very close with her sister Pam and they did a lot of stuff together. When she was 16, she left her home state of New York to go with some friends, just off with some friends, and they came back and she never did. Um, and, and this was like, this wasn't like because she got caught up with him this is because she got caught up with other things and she would call her sister every once in a while but she kind of got into drugs um august 24th she was found in a field face down covered in tires she died the same way as everyone else and evidence showed that she had been placed there um but she wouldn't wasn't killed there Police investigated and found a woman who witnessed Rose getting into a two-door car with a black man, and that was the only information that they had. In 1994, he killed a 26-year-old named Jolanda Jones. Her death was initially thought to be drug-related, 
but he claimed that he murdered her in Pine Bluff, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, um, and he was able to draw a picture of her as well. In June of 91, he killed Alice Denise Duval in Los Angeles, and he says that he disposed of her body in Long Beach. This is crazy. At this point, he's been killing for 20 years. 30 years. Oh, yeah. It started yeah. in 1970, and this is yeah. 1991. So 31 years. July, or 1991, he killed Roberta Tondrak, I'm butchering that, in Akron, Ohio. She was first unidentified, but due to, like, investigative skills, she was identified in 2019. She had one daughter who wanted to remind everybody that she often thought about her mother and the way that her mother died and that she just wanted Samuel to know that not everybody that he killed didn't have a family or didn't have anybody waiting for him or waiting for them that a lot of a lot of his victims were loved by their family in 1991 to 92 he killed four more women in los angeles four of them were unnamed black females and one was an unnamed hispanic female all of them were in their 20s he believed that one of them may have been from the San Francisco area and that another one was from the Phoenix area. Sometimes between 1992 and 93, he killed a black female. He thinks her name may have been Ruth in North Little Rock, Arkansas. He thinks that she was about 24 and weighed about 200 pounds. He remembered that she had a gap in between her front two teeth. And that they were together for about three days. And over the course of that time, the two of them shoplifted together. He was arrested at a Kroger for stealing. And he was released three hours later because they needed him to move his car from the parking lot. I, like, <laughs> this is legitimately the luckiest man on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple days later, he was driving her out of town and pulled off a dirt road. It was here that he strangled her and put her body in some old um, corn stalks that had been cut down. In 1993, he killed an unnamed black female who was about 40 years old. He said that she had dark skin, was about 5'5", and 120 pounds. This was in Las Vegas. He said that she wore a wig and that her hair was plaited, his words, underneath. They were out driving when she pointed out her son on the side of the road to Little. He was just standing there. Um, she said her son was about in his early 20s. Little took her to a hotel room where he killed her. And then he went out to the middle of nowhere and rolled her body down a steep slope. In 1994, he killed Denise Brothers, the person that they originally thought and went in for all of these confessions for she was reported missing on new year's day in 1994 she was found in a vacant lot um not too far um from where she went missing she had been working as a prostitute when she when she went missing um which 
you know, of course, people always, like we said, judge the stupid stuff for some reason. That just pisses me off. I don't understand why people are going to judge somebody because someone's a prostitute. But Look, in I, don't aunt, care. I don't care what you do with your, your life. You are murdered. It's murder. <laughs> right? It's murder. Okay? Right. I don't care if you were the president. Look, you could be the most, the most uh, wealthiest person in the world. I don't care. You were murdered. You could be the lowest person in the world, which I don't think anybody's the lowest, and you are mm-hmm. murdered. You're both going to be on the same pedestal. One's not going to be higher than the other. You're going to be even. Right. You were murdered. We need to find out who murdered you. So, Denise was killed um, outside of Odessa, Texas. She had, um, she was 38 when she was killed, and she had two, um, she had multiple kids, but all I could find um, was that she had three? I don't. They just kept saying she had multiple kids, but I only found out that about three that she had three boys, um, or at least three boys. I don't know. Um, named uh Dustin and Damien, but I also saw names of Dennis and Derek put out. So I'm not sure. I didn't get to research her as much, but I'm not sure if like like that was just all of them. But I do know that. Dustin and Damien were with her parents because they helped um, look for their mom, like, right after this happened. Um, And the night that she died, the last time that they saw her when they believed she died, um, they... I struggle saying this because it's really sad. They just really wanted to see their mom. And I found this. This is so sad. I don't want to cry because it is really sad. They basically were talking about how they, the two boys, would hide under the covers and read comic books together because they didn't have their mom. It was just the two of them. And one thing that they would do is they would stay up late listening to see if their mom was going to try to break into their house again. Because apparently one Christmas, she um, broke in and she stole all of their Christmas presents. Damn. And I guess so that she could, like, sell them. (laughs) And what it is, it's it's that kind of thing. And they wanted to see if they could catch her in the act because... They kind of wanted to see her, but they were also angry, but they just, they just wanted their mom. I can never judge anybody, but like, I can't imagine doing that to my kids. I couldn't either. I, I, man, that's so messed up. That's, and I'm not going to mean this worse, but this is one of the only families that I could find a lot about. Um, one of the boys, Dustin, after his mom died and all this kind of stuff, your life takes a really, like, it it takes, it's a shock on your life, and his life also kind of just went crappy, and he was actually shot outside of a club when he was 21 and killed, and they don't know who did that. Um, so... It, it, it is just, like, one thing after another. Like, could he yeah. still be alive if none of this had happened? So, I don't mean to go, like, really deep. 
on that oh, one. But that weird. one's a really sad one for me. So, like, I understand why it was so important for them to find her. Um, but I, it is also makes me feel bad because I know that every single one of these people that I've already listed, their families have gone through something similar or could have gone through something similar. And they all have a story. But because we don't know who these women are, we never get it, to hear their story. It makes story. it different. It makes it different when we know she had kids. Yes. And they were, like, out there. Yes. And they had already been through a lot with her before that happened. Yeah, it's horrible. And it's just sickening. That's not... Um, in 1996, he killed another unnamed black female in Los Angeles, and he said that she was about 23 to 25. In 96, he killed a black woman who he only knew as T-Money, um, and she was about 23 to 24. In 1996, he killed another unnamed white female whom he provided a sketch for and said that she was um, between 23 and 25. 96, there was another black female in Los Angeles who was about 25, so he loved the early 20s age. Um, in 1996, he killed Melissa Thomas from Opelousas, Louisiana. She was going to buy cigarettes at the store and took a shortcut through a cemetery headed back. Um, not, nobody really knows about what really happened in between. That's He basically knows that. But she was found face down in a cemetery. Um, the family never really got answers. But the police put the details of the murder in VICAP so that when um, someone did talk or someone did something similar, they would find out. And that was what led to them getting the answers um, and figuring out that Little had actually killed her. Little told the Texas Ranger and investigators about a woman in Louisiana. And they relayed those... Um, Relayed that same information to police in Louisiana, and they matched details that were never released to the public about the dress that she was wearing, and that's how they knew that they were able to confirm it. He also recalled that while she was, while they were like basically, I guess, making out, um, she were, she said and asked him why he was stroking her neck and why he liked her neck so much and asked if he was, quote, a serial killer or something. Um, this He said that this statement made him angry and that is when he started choking her and killed her. So oh just, you know, just asking if he was what he already was. Um, in 1996, Daisy McGuire was killed in Homa, Louisiana. Little claimed that this was the only murder that he did by drowning. He claimed that wherever they were, he grabbed her legs and pulled her down into the water and held her there. He spoke in detail about the murder and went as far as even telling investigators about the food that she had served him before he killed her. Which I, I found out was red beans and rice. Good meal. But, like, I wonder why... Like, all these years, he switched up. That's so... Uh, I think it was just an opportunity thing. Yeah. Um, in 1997, he killed a woman known as Anne in Phoenix, Arizona. She was a white female whom he was able to draw a picture of, but didn't know her age at all. Um, as far as 
I know that is the last person that he killed. I don't feel like that was 93 people. Um, I honestly didn't even, I don't want to say I didn't care to look it up. I was just very overwhelmed to add all those people up and then look up and see who I missed. I'm pretty sure I have um, missed at least one. And I'm really, really sorry if I did. But this case was way more emotionally taxing than I thought it was going to be. Um, I feel like there is one woman that was mentioned in the documentary that I didn't get to. And um, I think she may be the actual last one. Again, I'm not sure. And I feel like a horrible researcher for not looking this up. But I feel like there's a port, like a part like you should be. Hold on, I cannot speak. I feel like I needed to be respectful to myself and say, hey, this is enough, like, you stop looking this up, like, you're just driving yourself mad, um, I did not look this up, but I believe there was a woman named Nancy who was killed, and she was the last one, and the only remember, only reason I feel like she may have been the last one was because I remember them talking, this is really bad, I'm sorry, I'm butchering this, but I remember them talking about, her going missing in Tupelo, Mississippi, and him mentioning that there was this woman in Mississippi, but he couldn't remember the name of the town, but it was a place that Elvis had a house, and she wanted to go see Elvis's house or something, or they were near it, and he just killed this woman in the place where Elvis had a house, and at first they thought it was um, Graceland, but obviously it's not that, um, and that's when they found out that they discovered, I don't know who, I don't, well, I feel bad. I should say, I don't know how people don't know that Elvis was born in Tupelo, but maybe that's not common knowledge. I feel like it was, but anyway, it is, I feel like, I feel like it is, but that's where he's from. And so that's where his little birth house or whatever is. Um, and, um, but yeah. That was, I think she may be the last one, if not this other lady is, but I'm not 100% sure. And I'm really sorry about that. Um, I got towards the end of the 93 and I was so just like wanting to cry the entire time. So it was either cry the entire time or tell myself that you've done enough and walk away. Um, on the bright side, he's dead. So, he is literally, if hell is real, he's in his own personal version of probably the worst, worst version of it, I hope. Um, He actually suffered from diabetes and was in a wheelchair for, like, the latter half of his life. Um, Which I'm pretty sure is probably the only reason he stopped killing. Probably because he just couldn't anymore. I don't think he, like, wanted to stop. I really and truly think he just couldn't. That's terrifying to think that this man had to get a sickness to stop killing. Right. Um, He, like, had some toes amputated because of his diabetes. He had open heart surgery. Um, He just, he's a big guy. Like, he's a big guy, but he, he's dead. 
They don't know what killed him. He died at the end of 2020. It wasn't COVID. They said it was just complications of his diabetes and all kinds of stuff like that or something. He's also old. He's also old. He was was born born in in 1940. Yeah, he was old. Um, My favorite part about all this and where I'll end is that I didn't speak about this. But, oh, buddy, for the beginning, not the whole time in the beginning, but for a good chunk of his time, um, during, like, 70s, 80s, when he was killing, he had a long-term girlfriend named Jean. Jean was quite a bit older than him. He spoke very candidly. I should also mention that Jean was one of the women who would testify at these trials and take up for him and say how good of a guy he was. But Jean would support him in this shoplifting adventure and do all this stuff. And he talked about how several times he would kill women in the car. He would come home. And the next day, Gene would get out there with a bucket and some cleaner and clean the car down for him. And this continued, apparently, until he died. Until she died. Dude, what? She was spared. I don't know how she managed to spare herself. What? But she was an older, older woman. And... Just not caring. Just not. Not caring. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. She. Yeah. He would always come back to her or like she was just road tripping it with. She was just road tripping with him places. I don't know if she was involved in killing or I don't know what all, but. How was she not arrested? I don't, I don't know, because she was dead when all this happened. She, I mean, I don't know how she was arrested while he, while she was alive and he was getting arrested for stuff, but she was never arrested as far as I could tell. That's an accomplice. Right. Like, straight right. up. So, um, I'm, I probably will not get around to putting every single source when I put this episode out, but I will try. Um, but, yeah, I just want to let y'all know that, that that's how this crazy thing ends. My yeah. mind is like, oh, it's overwhelmed right now. It's it's, it's overwhelmed because there's so many people. Because I, so I could many- have done I could have done the story with just like telling everything about him, but like I felt like I had to like at least say out even though they're unnamed females, I felt like I had to say it's that. So it's so many people murdered, and then it's so many opportunities for like police and law enforcement to put this dude behind bars. And no one stopped. Just think about all the women that could still be alive today. Well, possibly if. if Pretty sure almost every single person he killed today could have been alive if they hadn't died from like natural causes. Like literally there was so many opportunities for them to put him behind bars or keep him behind bars. Uh Like the four years that he was in jail was like the only time people were safe. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So blows my mind. Yep. So I hope he's um good in hell. That's crazy. Mama so, can't. Okay, so now we needed something good and happy for this long episode to end on. 
Um, I can't think of anything good that's happened lately that would make this doable or like change like change the vibe. Only thing good that's happened to me recently is I just celebrated my anniversary. Well, that's good. That's exciting. We love love. We stand. Yeah, me, me, and the executive assistant. Um, as of June thirtieth, so a little bit ago, uh, nine years of marriage. Woohoo! So, and then in July, which Zach says he doesn't celebrate this anniversary anymore because he said once you get married, you just celebrate your marriage. No, that's a lot. That's but a lot. our our dating anniversary is July thirty first, and we'll be together twelve years. Oh my so. god, you're almost been together as long as a teenager. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. We're, oh, you're yeah. getting closer to ha- having known each other longer than you haven't known each other. We have been together uh, longer than most children that are alive on TikTok have been alive on <laughs> Earth. Wait, how <laughs> old were y'all when y'all like knew each other? When we first met each other, we were nine. And okay, then, wait, so you now, so you have known each other longer than you have. I've basically known Zach almost my entire life because I was yeah. nine years old when we met. And mm-hmm. then his mom got married and her husband had to move to Arizona. So they moved back to Arizona. So I didn't get to see him for a few years. And then when we were teenagers, he moved back. And we all started hanging out because our parents were best friends. And I also hung out with uh, his older sister, Sam. And then he was like, do you want to go on a date? And I was like, sure. And then <laughs> started dating like two months I don't, later. I, okay, no. I don't think you just so casually said, sure. I'm pretty sure you like freaked out in your head. Well, to be honest, my mom made me. Because she said it would be, it would be, uh, yeah she said it would be impolite if i turned him down uh since like our parents were friends she said it would be rude wait did he like ask you by text message or something he actually messaged my mom oh he like did the like old school thing and asked my mom's permission if he could take me on a date and then he texted me and he said your mom said that we can go on a date if you want to go out with me to the movies and we went to the movies which I'll go see. So, a really stupid movie, MacGruber. The oh my par- god, I forgot that movie. <laughs> the parody that makes fun of MacGyver. Yes. Yeah, we were the only people in the movie theater too, so it was super awkward. It was one of those awkward first dates. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. you ended up marrying him and having two kids, so it couldn't have been that awkward. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah, but yeah, you're right. My entire life, pretty much, since I was nine, and then I think they were gone for like four years or so, and we like saw each other, but like we were like fifteen, about to turn sixteen when he asked me out. Because we actually, though. our first date was actually on his birthday. So the day after your birthday. Yeah, I had just like I had literally just turned sixteen, and he turned sixteen that day, and we went on our first date. That's so cute. So. Oh, my God. That's adorable. Okay. See, look, that ended the story. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And I was an animal because we went and had pizza at <laughs> – y'all have one here. Cece's Pizza? 
Yeah. One here. We have one back home and it's our spot. It's like uh-huh. all you can eat pizza place for those of you that don't know and i ate my body weight and he was like i'm gonna i'm gonna marry you <laughs> and i was like oh, is that all you have to do in front of men it's just it's like just eat your body eat. weight and pizza he was like i'm gonna marry you someday and i was like okay dude like i totally didn't believe him i was like okay i really don't like you that much but okay <laughs> i really don't like you but okay and yeah so that's good, cute though good time Good time. There's a little happy, warm and fuzzy for uh, everybody that hears us talk about the executive assistant a lot. (laughs) (laughs) His warm warm and fuzzy moments. I like him. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening and for probably being as angry as we were. Apologies if audio on this one sounds like booty. I didn't realize until halfway through that it was actually picking up the audio from my headset that I currently have on rather than my nifty $100 microphone that's supposed to make everything sound great. So, apologies. Um, it makes you feel better you sound okay on my end so hopefully it sounds okay we're gonna find out i feel like there's gonna be a lot of editing going on but we'll see um possibly possibly but um that's all i got for now next week will be bethany um talking about which is grace which is kind of an inside joke. <laughs> Dude, when I tell you we plan, like we're probably we're probably gonna sit down this week and plan another two months. But we sit and we plan for like two, three months in advance. And sometimes we're like really tired and just like overstimulated from the week. And uh-huh. ha- there's so many autocorrects in our Google calendar. And we're like, what it what is, what is this? this? Like we were confused. We didn't know who was doing what. And then we didn't even know what the episode was supposed to be. So, so yeah, stay tuned. We'll never know what it's going to end up being, but it's it might be always good. an adventure. I hope people yeah. don't come to our podcast hoping to see like a, a perfect, pristine episode or like organization. There's not organization. It's this not is happening. This here. is a combo between like us just chit chatting and hanging out slash talking about scary stuff. Yes. creepy stuff but yes. okay this episode's almost an hour or two hours long so we're peacing out have a great night and drink water <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bye bye